Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come once again uh, to be here to share your word. Father, we thank you for allowing us to hear your word. We thank you for allowing that word to penetrate in our hearts so that the word we hear won't just be words that we uh, receive as information, but they will become revelation for our life. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus that every hindrance that will stop us from getting this word today, we expel it out of doors right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you in advance for how this word is going to transform our lives and transform our thinking so that we can live a life that's more pleasing to you and also the kind of life you would have us to live. And so, God, we just thank you. We appreciate you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for your faithfulness. And in all of these things, we give thanks in your son Jesus' name. Father, we just honor you. We praise you. We magnify you and we glorify you on this day and every day to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, just give the Lord some praise this morning. Listen, I know how you how you guys do it. I know you give hearts and you give fire or you give clapping emojis or you give a little running man dance when it get good to me. That's the one I use because I just I be wanting to run sometime, but can't nobody uh, really tell how excited I am. So I use a little running man. But whatever you use, you use it this morning and let's get into the word of God. I'm going to be talking from the subject, and I'm going to try to contain myself because I get excited about this, but I want to, I really want you to hear me. We're going to be talking from uh, the subject, the value proposition of knowing God, the value proposition of knowing God. And I know that may sound all technical, and, and, and for some of you, you may hear, oh, he's talking about knowing God, and, and automatically want to uh, just kind of have your mind say, well, I've heard all this before. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to uh, to dig in. I want to challenge you to be open. I want to challenge you to to be willing to hear something new, something fresh, um, because it just could possibly be the very missing key that you need in order to take your life to the next level. And so you guys know that I, I believe strongly in making sure that when I'm teaching that we are all working from the same understanding. Uh, and so when I begin to talk about this value proposition, this value proposition of getting to know God, I'm talking from the standpoint of not knowing about God, but I'm talking about knowing God. Well, Pastor, what do you mean? See, there are many of you who have never met me. There are many of you who've never met Pastor Sean. There are many of you who've never met Pastor Ralph or Pastor Chris. You've actually never met Minister Chandra. You never met, met you never actually met Santresa or Ari. But but you've interacted with us, some of you, over the last two years <laughs> on a weekly basis. But you 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 know about us. You 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 probably don't know us. Because to know us, you would have to have spent uh, intimate time with us. You'd have to have been with us in multiple settings. You'd have to uh, know our behaviors and our mannerisms and, and how we think and how we move. And, 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 and knowing someone is reserved for people who have spent time uh, intimately in, in, in close proximity with someone. And so I don't want to talk about you knowing about God. I want to talk about the value proposition of really getting to know God. And so in order to do that, we need to start with some definitions. So uh, let's just jump in here. Let's let's look at the first part of this this phrase, the value proposition of knowing God. Let's look at the word value and let's define value so that we are all working from the same place. Value is defined as the 
importance, the worth, or usefulness of something. When we say that something has value, we say that that, that thing, that, that, that person, that place, that thing, it's, it's important to us. There's, there's been value placed there, that it has a worth, uh, that that worth sometimes can be measured in dollars and cents. And sometimes some worth is priceless. Um, spending time with loved ones and making memories, there, there's not a dollar value on that, but there's value in it because it's priceless. Uh, that it's useful. It can be used for something. It benefits you in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So when we talk about value, we're talking about something that's important, something that has worth, or something that is useful. Let's look at the next word in this, the value proposition of knowing God. We talk about this word proposition. What does it mean to, to proposition someone? You've probably heard that term before. Uh, it really means to make a request of them. But when we talk about value proposition, here's how we're defining it today. Proposition is defined as a statement or assertion that expresses a program or a plan of action. Okay, it's, it's, it's what you're going to do, especially when you're talking about business or you're talking about some transactional context. A proposition could be um, if you give me fifty dollars, uh, I will take you to the mall. That that's transactional. You do something. I do something. It's a proposition. It's, it's, it's a request for a plan of action. And so when we begin to talk about a value proposition and you begin to look at these two words combined, you understand that it's a plan of action that has importance, that has worth or has usefulness. You combine those two definitions and what you get is the definition that we're going to look at next, which is value proposition. Why are we doing this? Because I want to talk to you about the value proposition of knowing God. Most people operate from the standpoint of what's in it for me. Let's just be honest. We, our human abilities, our human thought processes function on what's in it for me. Somebody asks you to, to join a particular organization. Okay, if I join that organization, what's in it for me? Somebody says, oh, you need to come to Fellowship of Champions. Most people are like, if I come to Fellowship of Champions, what's in it for me? And we tell people, if you come over here, your life will be changed, amen? And so we're going to talk about our value proposition. But let's define this term. Value proposition. It is defined this way. It is an innovation. It could be a service or a feature intended to make a company, an organization, a club, a unit, or whatever, or product attractive to its customers. That is the value proposition. So when I talk about having a value proposition for knowing God, I am talking about why is it important? Why is it innovative for you? Why is Fellowship of Champions innovative in the space of getting people to walk in love, to live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of life? Why is that a feature of our ministry? Why is that uh, an important product of who we are? Because you as customers, because the world is our customer. When Jesus Christ is our product, the world becomes our customer. And the world wants to know, what's the value proposition of me getting to know Jesus? And I think for so long, we tried to tell people, you need to come to Jesus so that you don't burn in hell. Well, is that truly a value proposition? Because if you're just talking about something that I can't see, I can't touch, I can't experience until I'm so unquote dead and gone, is that really much value? Is it really much importance? Is that much worth? And while it may be for some, it's not for all. But everybody, almost everybody wants to know, how can I live a better life? 
How can I live better than what I'm living right now? And that is where we need to dig in and call out the value proposition of knowing God. Why? Because a value proposition, what it does is it stands as a promise by a company to its customers or to its market segment about what they can deliver. So when we begin to talk about Fellowship of Champions, I'm giving you your elevator speech. Your elevator speech for why people ought to be tuning into this broadcast is because if you come to Fellowship of Champions, they're going to teach you how to walk in love. If you come to Fellowship of Champions, they're going to teach you how to live by faith. If you come to Fellowship of Champions, they're going to teach you how to experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. That is the value proposition of coming to Fellowship of Champions. Rooted in that is the value proposition of getting to know God. It is why at Fellowship of Champions, we don't tell you to come to church because we got the best praise team, although we think we do. We don't tell you to come <laughs> to Fellowship of Champions because we get we got the best Wednesday night Bible study, although we think we do. We don't tell you to come to Sunday service because Pastor John and I can preach the house down, although we can. What I tell you is the value proposition with Fellowship of Champions is rooted in teaching you personally to know God. Somebody put this in the comment section, say, I want to know God. And somebody said, well, pastor, why would I say I want to know God? I already want to know God. Do you understand that if you lived a thousand lifetimes, you couldn't exhaust all the personality of God? If you lived a thousand lifetimes, you could not exhaust all the personality of who God is is. So every day is an opportunity for you to get to know God more intimately. Why? Because there's value. There's, there's importance. There's worth. There's usefulness in getting to know God. Why? Because as a customer, when I get to know God, I get to know the product that God has better. What is the product that God has for me? He says in the word, he tells us that he would, that none of us would suffer but that we all have eternal life. He also tells us, he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. He says, they are thoughts of peace. They are thoughts of, of good. He says, I'm not thinking harm towards you, but if you don't know God, you don't know that about God. And so when things happen to you that are not from God, watch this, you will assign them to God because you don't know the value of knowing God. Amen? So let's talk about this. The proposition. Is simply this. When we talk about the value proposition of knowing God, the proposition is just an easy to understand reason why a customer, you and I, anybody in the world, should buy a product or a service from a particular business. Why should people, praise God, want to know Jesus? What is the value proposition in getting to know him? If you can articulate the value proposition of getting to know God, then you have to ask yourself, why aren't people coming to God when you're talking about it? Because you don't know the value of it. But I can tell you in a heartbeat how my life has changed. I can tell you how my life has radically become better because I've taken the opportunity to get to know God, not just know about him. There was a time in my life I knew about God. I knew God would save me. I knew that I knew that that through I knew that he had he 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 had his son Jesus come and die and that if I gave my life to Christ that 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 when it was all over I wouldn't die and go to hell. Yet I wasn't living or experiencing the life that I read about in the Bible. And there are a lot of people who absolutely love God but they are not experiencing the life that they read about and it creates tension in them. 
Why does it create tension? Because they're reading something and not experiencing something. And God says that the disconnect is that you know about me, but you don't know me. You know about me, but you don't know me. You know about me being a healer, but you didn't ask me to heal you. You know about me being a financial provider, but you didn't ask me for finances. You know about me being a restorer, but you're still stuck in that marriage that won't change. He says, but the moment you get to know me, then you know the value that I bring. You know my products and you know my services, and then you want what I have. Amen. And the truth of the matter is that people try to act like there's something wrong with wanting what Jesus has for us. There is nothing wrong with wanting what Jesus has for us. He wants us to understand the value proposition in getting to know him. It is the reason that he says things like this. He says, I am the vine. And if you stick with me, you can ask what you will. That's the value proposition that I stick with God. And when I need something, I got the right to ask and receive. it. Amen. So then let's think about it from this point. Everything we need in life, everything we need in life flows from an intimate personal relationship with God. Pastor, how can you say that? Well, look at what 1 Timothy 6.17, the B section says. It says, our trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. In one translation, it says there, our trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Why? So it's not enough just to know about God. We must actually experience him firsthand. Amen. We must experience him firsthand. This is Paul talking to Timothy and he says, man, listen, your trust should be in God. Why should your trust be in God? What's the value proposition of you putting your trust in God rather than your job? What's the value proposition of putting your trust in God rather than your education? What is the value proposition of you putting your trust in God rather than your connections or your network? He says, God richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. You want to live a life of enjoyment? Get to know God. You want to live a life where you're smiling day to day, you're helping people, you got enough for you, your family, and several more? Learn to get to know God. So what am I saying? I'm saying it's not enough to just know about God. We must actually experience him firsthand. There's nothing in life more important than having a deep personal relationship with God. And when we're willing to give up everything for him, we in turn lose nothing but gain much more. I can't, ex I can't express that enough. Whenever you choose to do it God's way, it is never a loss. It is never a loss. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, when I choose to do it God's way, it's never a loss. It's never a loss. It's never a loss. God says, that's not the person for you. I'm sad, but it's never a loss. God says, Edwin, don't take that job in Seattle. It's going to pay you more than you ever made. I didn't take it. I was sad, but it's never a loss. Why? Because God is always looking out to give us, watch this, the best value. What is value? It's the importance. It's the worth. It's the usefulness. God says, listen, when you are with me, I'm like a business and no business will stay in business not giving the best service. <laughs> we understand that about a restaurant. You go to a restaurant and they got lousy service. What's the first thing you do? You tell somebody. 
You tell somebody how, come on, don't y'all act like you don't. You go to a restaurant, they get your food wrong, your order wrong, the food nasty, the service is, is bad, the person is rude. You can't wait to pop on social media and take a picture and talk about y'all don't go here. Why? Because they've lost their value proposition as you as a customer. Who glory to God. Are you causing other people to see the kingdom like a bad restaurant? Are you causing the king? Or when people look at you and you say you represent the kingdom and you're rude and you're mean and you're stingy, do they think that you represent the kingdom? Because if so, then you are putting a stain on the value on the value proposition of what heaven has to offer. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's keep going. It is why if you look in Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, you will see these words. It says, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has given up and left houses and brothers and sisters, mother or father or even children and lands for my sake and for the gospel. See, notice what he says. He says, let me, let me, let me put this in, 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 in natural language that you understand. You ain't never gave up nothing and came up short. <laughs> he says, truly, truly. When he says truly, he means, listen, you can show no believe this. He says, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has ever given up a house, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, their children, or even their land. They've never given up for my sake and the gospel. Ever. They've never done that. What's the second part of that? He says, who will not receive, what? A hundred times as much now in this time. That's why we can stop this mess about the great by and by and what's going to happen when we get to heaven. Heaven's going to be great, but God wants us to experience days, come on somebody, of heaven on the earth. He says, you have not given up those things that you valued or deemed as precious he says, you've never, ever obeyed me and had to let something go and then turned around and stuck with me and did not receive a hundred times as much in this time. He says, whatever you gave up, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and lands, he says, understand, I'm giving them back and I'm giving them back with a bang. He says, now, what you need to know is, is that as I'm giving it back, it's going to be some persecution. It's going to be some folk who tell you, oh, look at you. You over there tithing and giving your money away. You could have used that money to buy that new car you had. God said, listen, don't listen to them because the car you could have bought, you couldn't have bought a hundred of them. He says, what I'm going to do for you is going to multiply anything you could have ever did on your own because the value proposition in hanging with me is better than doing it on your own. He says, he says, and in the age to come, you're going to get eternal life. He says, so not only have I already dealt with what's going to come when you leave this place, but I'm talking about blessing your socks off while you're here on the ground, still around. He says, understand this. He says, I am going to give you blessing. The scripture says it's going to come on the heels one after another. Blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing. It's going to come so fast. The Bible says it's going to make your head spin. But you don't, you don't follow God if you don't understand the value proposition in following him. The truth is, is that life is the sum total of who we spend our time with. 
Your life is the sum total of two things. Number one, your most dominant thoughts. The second thing is who you spend your most time with. Why? Because who you spend your most time with is really going to turn out to be the true definition of success. Because the true definition, the true definition of success and prosperity is spending our lives with God. So why do I spend my time with people like Ralph and Chris and Sid and Davina and April and, 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 and those people in my tribe? Because they have proven to me that they love God. I can I can hang with anybody, but my most dominant time is going to be spent with people who are aligned in their thinking toward the things of God. And so if you align your thinking with the things of God, me and you can rock <laughs> because I'm a firm believer that our environment is always working on us. So I can't spend a lot of time with folk who don't trust God. I can't spend a lot of time with folk who don't believe God. I can't spend a lot of time with folk who say God ain't going to show up uh, when you need him. I can't spend time with people who say, well, it don't matter what you do uh, when you're outside of church. I'm just gonna trying to keep it real. No, no, no. My environment is always working on me. And whether you know it or not, your environment is always working on you. And so it's important that we make sure that we are spending time who with people who understand the value proposition of knowing God. It is the reason why even on vacation, we can't help it. We start to talk about something, we laughing and joking, and somebody say something about something God doing, and here you go. We talking about what God will do. Why? Because it's in us. It is in us. We are not going to spend much time together and not figure out a way to talk about the awesomeness of our God. And if your team don't do that, you need to be the catalyst to help your team change. If you're going to spend time with them, then you got to be the one. You got to be the catalyst to say, did you know that God is still in the blessing business? Yes, I know gas is $4.15 a gallon, but do you know that ain't nothing for God? Do you know the same God? Watch this. The same God who will who allow people in Germany to pay $10 a gallon for gas is the same God who will allow us to pay $4 for gas. God ain't greater in Germany than he is in America. Ooh, glory to God. It's your perspective. It's your perspective, and it's got to change. Let's look at John 15 and 1. John 15 and 1. This is a value proposition statement if I've ever seen one. If I've ever seen one, John 15 and 1, Jesus is speaking. And here is what Jesus says. And how do we know it's Jesus? Because if you've got a good Bible, it's in the red. Here's what he says. He says, I am the true vine. He says, and my father is the husband. And if you keep reading, you'll see in verse 4 and 5, he then says this. He says, abide in me. Watch this. And I in you. He says, we got to come together. You got to get in me so that I can be in you. He says, and just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you. He says, if you do not understand this, he says, then you're going to miss out. He says, the reason that I say abide in me and I in you, he says, because it's my desire to abide, in, to abide with you. He says, but, but because I gave man free moral agent ability, he says, then you have to make the decision that you want me to be in you. He says, so then if you will abide in me, I promise I'll abide in you. He said, and just like a branch can't bear fruit unless it's attached to the actual vine of the tree, he says, then you need to understand that you won't be able to do that either. And then in verse five, he says this, he says, I am the vine. He said, in case you were mistaken, I am the vine. I am the value in the proposition. 
<laughs> he says, I am the value. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same. Somebody put that in the comments. Say, say the same. I see you, Evan, same God. That's right. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. What do you mean without you, I can do nothing? There are people who don't love God and they're doing something. It ain't nothing. I don't care how successful you get. If it's without God, it's nothing. I don't care how much money you accumulate. If it's without God, it's nothing. I don't care how much status you get. I don't care how popular you become. If it is without God, it is nothing. And then finally in verse 7, he wraps this up because this is the value proposition Jesus is telling them in John 15. In verse 7, he says, if you abide in me, glory to God, and my words abide in you. Now watch the value proposition. You shall do what? Ask what? For some of the stuff you want. <laughs> nope, that's not what he says. You shall ask for what you think you can afford. Nope, that's not what he says. You shall ask for what's in your budget. That's not what he says. He said the value proposition is that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will, uh-huh, what you will, another word for will is what you want, watch this, and it shall be done unto you. People say, well, pastor, that didn't seem right. You mean to tell me you can serve God and just ask for all kind of stuff that's, that's, that's sinful? No, that's why he says, if you abide in me and what? And that's a conjunction. That means it's connected to something. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So when his words are embodied in you, you're only asking God for those things which he desired to give you anyway. Here's the good news. What God desires to give you is more than what you ever dreamed of. What God desires to give you is more than what you've ever dreamed of. You dreaming about going on a vacation and God wants you to own property at the vacation where you're going to. Glory to God. You're dreaming about flying first class and God wants to give you the ability to fly private. I don't know who I'm talking to, but it's about three or five of y'all out there that I'm talking to. Listen, God wants to do more for you than you've ever dreamed of. You're hoping you can have 15 good days in a month and God's trying to give you 15 years of, of days of heaven on earth. God wants to do exceedingly above all that you could ask or think, but it's got to be according to the power that's working in you. What's the power that's working in you? It's the word of God. What is the word of God? It teaches me the value proposition of following him. So let's take a look. I got four or five things I want to share. And I'm going to get out your way. Number one, here's what you need to understand. We excel when we know God directly. Listen, it's great for me to hear Chris' testimony. It's great for me to hear Pastor Sean's testimony. It's great for me to hear Chandra's testimony. I need a testimony of my own. I need my own alabaster box experience. I don't want to just read about everybody, everybody else's testimony. You understand? We excel when we know God directly. Why? Because he empowers us to do things out of the ordinary. When I know God intimately, he empowers me to do things out of the ordinary. How do I know this is true? The Bible is littered with stories of people who trusted God for people who depended on God 100 percent and how he did the miraculous in their life. I mean, I think about the story of the, of the three Hebrew boys 
And I think about how they were put into a fiery furnace. And when they were put into that fiery furnace, they didn't just not burn. The Bible says that when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. How you get in a furnace and you come, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing that they didn't burn. Praise God. But the Bible says there was no remnant of the trauma. Somebody missed that. There was no remnant of the trauma that they went through. I am telling you that when you understand the value proposition of God, that there are trauma that will try to attach to you, but the glory of God will get on you in so strong in such a mighty way that the remnant of that trauma won't be able to affect you. Oh, somebody going to catch that later on. I'm telling you, some of you right now, you're rehearsing the trauma. But if you would just understand who God is and let his value saturate your life, that trauma would melt off you like hot butter on a steak. I am telling you, it would just drip to the side. I just made myself hungry. Praise God. Listen, I am telling you right now that God wants to do something great for you. Somebody put in the comment section, no more smoke. No more smoke. <laughs> no more smoke. Whatever you went through, it ain't even going to have no smoke on you. Whatever somebody tried to do to you, it ain't going to have no smoke on you. It ain't going to have no, no impact. You, you, you're done with it. You're over it. You're exactly where God wants you to be. When we do what? When we excel, we know God directly. We simply need to get out of God's way. We need to stop trying to be the God in our life and let him be the God of our life. We need to let him take the helm because when we do, it enables us to do great things. How do we know that's true? Look at Daniel 11 and 32. Daniel 11 32 says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant, shall he corrupt? He says, but the people that do know their God. Now watch this. He says, those who do wickedly against the, against the covenant, they're going to be corrupted. It says, but those people, that do know their God. That's the value proposition. Do you know God? I know my God. He says, if you know your God, he says, then you shall be strong. Praise God. Watch this. And do what? Great exploits. That's the value proposition. If I know God, I'm going to be strong when others are weak. If I know God, I'm going to do great exploits when everybody else is failing. The value proposition is what's in it for me. What's in it for me is I get to be strong when everybody else is weak. I get to do great exploits when everybody around me is failing. What is it based on? Me and how much I know? Me and how much money I got? Me and who I'm connected to? No. It has everything to do with how deeply and intimate I am willing to know God. And watch this. Nobody gets to determine that for you, but you. Can't nobody tell you that you can't know God better? Your spouse can't tell you that. Your kids can't tell you that. Your job can't tell you that. Your money can't tell you that. If you make the decision, I want to know God better. I don't care if it ain't but five minutes a day, you can get to know God better. That is the reason we have that, that challenge commitment this year. Remember those four things we ask everybody to do? We ask everybody to do what? Come to service. Don't miss a service. Don't skip out. If you can, come to every single service live. And if you miss it, in the words of Pastor Ralph, you are still responsible for the word that comes across this pulpit. What was the second thing we asked you to do? Read your Bible. Read your word daily. Even if you're not actually picking up a physical Bible and reading it, get in the word. There's so many ways that we can get in the word. You can listen to the word on tape. 
You can sit there and you can you can read uh, 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 the notes that, that we put in the group. You can you can go back and listen to sermons, but saturate yourself with that word. Don't miss a service. Read the word. And then number three, take communion more often. Why do we take communion? Because when we take communion, there's a powerful thing that happens. We solidify our belief system of what it is that Jesus did on the cross for us. In other words, when he said it is finished, we receive that as fact. What's finished? Everything I need, it's already done. And then the last thing we said is make sure you spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. Spend time praying in the Holy Ghost, at least an hour a day. Maybe you spend a whole hour. Maybe you spend 30 minutes. Maybe you spend 15 minutes at a time, 10 minutes at a time, five minutes at a time. I don't know, but get your 60 minutes in. Why? Because the Bible says that when you and I pray in the Holy Spirit, that we build up our most holy faith. See, when you get to know God intimately, you don't let somebody tell you that tongues don't work. Well, you can't tell me that. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. There are things that happened in my life that I didn't even know how to pray for. And the Holy Spirit just made them happen for me. That is the result of me spending time praying in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the second thing. We said number one is that we excel when we know God directly. Number two, everything God is trying to do in our lives, watch this, is conceived and begins with what? His word. We said this, faith begins. Come on, y'all can finish this. Where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So everything God is trying to do in our lives is conceived in and begins with his word. It's why we read there in James. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you. He says, just like the, the, the branch can't give fruit without the vine, neither can you. He says, but if you abide in me, he said, and my word abide in you because everything begins with the word. He said, you can ask for what you will and it shall be granted unto you. That's what he said. So then I take God at his word. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, I take God seriously. I take God seriously. I take him at his word. And that is the reason that we see in John chapter one, verse one through three. His word is so important. It says in the beginning was the word. Look what it started with. So if, if everything started with the word, then everything in us must start with the word. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse two says the same was in the beginning with God. Verse three, and all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Everything starts with the word. Everything starts with the word. Jesus got his beginning in the earth via a word. Look at verse 14. It says, and the word was made what? Flesh. That's talking about Jesus. The word was made flesh. Jesus got into the earth realm via a word. It says, and the word was made flesh. Let me help you. Whatever you need, even if it ain't in this world right now, a word to get it here because it's already contained in heaven. Every, everything you need, praise God, begins with a word. Not just a word, a word from God. A word from God will change your life. You hear me? A word from God will change your life. The Bible says, and the word was made flesh, and that flesh, Jesus Christ, dwelt among us. And we, those people who got to see him physically, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And watch this. You and I now get to see him, maybe not with our physical eyes, but in the spirit realm, we get to see and experience Jesus too. And we get to experience him the same way they did. How? Full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace, praise God, and full of truth. Full of grace 
and full of truth. Why is that important? Because we need God's grace. But we also need God's truth. We need God's grace in our life, but we need God to be truthful enough with us to tell us when we ain't doing it right, too. And he doesn't tell us and chastise us because he's trying to be a mean father. It's because he wants to get us on the path so we can receive everything he already has for us. Amen. Number three. God knows just what we need. Watch this. And he wants to give it to us. That's the value proposition of knowing God. I get to know that God knows just what I need. Even when my spouse doesn't know exactly what I need. Even when, my, when I don't know exactly what I need. God knows just what I need. I know I'm having y'all type a lot, but go ahead and type that. Say God knows just what I need. God knows just what I need. God knows just what I need. And on top of that, it's his desire to give it to us. The Bible says no good thing will he withhold from them that walk upright. The Bible also says that Jesus said, it is my pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's my pleasure. I want to be good to you. I want, if we was at church right now, I'd have you touch three people and say, God wants to be good to you. God wants to be good to you. God wants to be good to you. Girl, God wants to be good to you. Bro, God wants to be good to you. What happens, though, is that we end up blocking him from doing so when we start to compare ourselves to each other, when we make compromises and we start to do comparisons and we start to close our eyes and our ears to what he has for us. We must put God first. You cannot live your life watching other believers trying to do what they do to get what they get. God has both universal plans for us, but he also has unique plans for us. Don't you forget that. God has universal plans for us. There are some things that are universal, like what? Like walking in love? Like what? Like living by faith? But you have to understand that there are certain things that God wants us to do and to understand. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. It says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number, he says, or compare ourselves with some that commend, that commend themselves. It says, we're not like those people. It says, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are what? Not wise. He says, listen, stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing yourself to yourself. What do you mean? How many times have you heard somebody say, well, at least I didn't cuss them out this time. That's not the standard. The standard is that not that you not that you cussed them out five times, but you didn't 10. That's not the standard. The standard is that you develop so much self-control that nobody makes you step out of character. He says, don't compare yourself to yourself and don't compare yourself to other people to say how much better you are. He says, people who do those kind of things, they are not wise. He says, the comparison ought to be, are you living up to the value that they themselves are having? Now, let's look at Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it 
flows the issues of life. He says, it's important for you to keep your heart the right way. Don't start comparing yourself to other people. Don't start comparing yourself to the old you. He says, no, keep your heart with all diligence. Remember, if you are in Christ and he's in you, then his heart is in you. He says, keep that heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. John 17 and three says, and this is life eternal. What is life eternal? That they may know thee as the one and only true God. That's the value proposition. That I get to know him as the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Nothing supersedes that. I don't care how smart I get. I don't care how many times people talk about lost books of the Bible. I don't care how people talk about, you know, the gospel has been rewritten and people try to do all of it. Listen, you can't talk me out of serving God. It's too late. I know I personally know too much about him for me. Maybe I don't know him well enough for you that you wouldn't quit on God, but I ain't quitting on God. It says, and this is life eternal that we may know thee as the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Why are both of those important? I got to know who God is so that I know God loves me enough that he sent his only begotten son to die for me. If God sent his only begotten son to die for you, how, how could he not want to pay your rent? How can he not want to pay off your house, pay off your car, heal your body, restore your marriage, bless your kids? How could a God who sent his only begotten son not be interested in doing those small things? And yes, everything I named under that is a small thing. Because what Jesus did was the ultimate sacrifice. Listen, John 17 and 3 in the Amplified says it like this. I just, I, I, I like this scripture and I read it in a couple of different places for you. It says, and this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, to become acquainted with, and to understand that you, God, the only true and real God, and likewise to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. He says, I want you to know that eternal life, not just life, life when we die, but life itself is about knowing you as the one and only true God. That is the value proposition of the gospel. John 17 and three in the New Living Translation just said that real simple. It says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. He says, this is the only way to get it. There's no other pathway. The value proposition in living a life wonderful here on earth and after we leave this place is to know you as the one true living God. Let's look at number four. Number four, a relationship with God will prepare us for what is to come. A relationship with God will prepare us for what's to come. How can I even say that? Think about what God told us in January. Think about that guiding word that God gave us. Think about when he said, don't worry. He said, don't panic. He said, don't be in fear and don't get out of love. That was, he was preparing us for what was to come. In January, nobody knew anything about Russia invading Ukraine. And, and the reality of it is, y'all need to stop believing everything they say on the media. The fact of the matter is, is Russia invading Ukraine didn't make gas prices go up. It just didn't. Because President Biden, I love somebody said this earlier, President Biden is not the president in Germany. And they're paying $10 for gas. And have always been paying much more than we have. So stop believing all of that, all of that nonsense. And, and here, 
spend less time focusing on what gas price costs and spend more time focusing on how big your God is. Because people in heaven ain't tripping over prices. People who are heavenly minded aren't tripping over prices. If God allowed you to pay for $2 gas, God will let you pay for $4, for $4 gas. If God let you pay for $1.50 milk, God will let you pay for $3 milk. If God let you pay for $2 eggs, he'll let you pay for $6 eggs. Now, the reality of it is, is that there is no shortage. There is no shortage. Now, now I get it because there are times, and I'll be honest with you, there are times I won't buy something. Why? Because I don't see the value in it. It has nothing to do with how much it costs. It has nothing to do that I don't, I, I don't think God will provide. It's just that I don't see value in it. But if the Lord told me to buy it for somebody else, I buy it. Why? Because the value proposition is in obeying God. It's in obeying God. And so let's take a look at this scripture, Philippians 3 and 8. And I really want you to, I want you to hone in here. I know I've been talking for a minute. I'm almost done. But I want you to hone into this particular scripture. Look at this, Philippians 3 and 8. Because we're talking about having a relationship with God, preparing us for the things to come. He says, yes, everything else. I'm reading out the NLT. Yes, everything else is worthless. Everything else. Do you see that? It's worthless. When? When compared with the infinite what? Value. The infinite what? Value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says every, listen, if you don't get nothing else out of what I'm teaching today, put a pen in Philippians 3.8. He says, yes, everything else, everything is worthless when you compare it with the infinite value. Remember I told you that some things were priceless? Getting to know God is priceless. They used to have a commercial, uh, a credit card commercial, and it would be like uh, a, a day at the opera, uh, $150, uh, dinner for two, $300, spending time with the one you love, priceless. Well, the same thing is true about this gospel. The same thing is true as about getting to know God intimately, getting to know him better than you know him right now. And yes, you may know him very well, but there's another level. There's another level that he's calling us into. He's calling us out into the deep to get to know him. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus, uh, of knowing uh, the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, for his sake, he says, I have, uh, go back to that scripture. Let me, he says, for his sake, I have discarded, what? Everything else. I've discarded everything else. What do you mean? It means whatever I thought about something, when Jesus taught me something different, I threw the old thing away. I didn't think praying in tongues was important, but when I got to know Jesus and explain the importance of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, I now deemed it as important. I didn't used to tithe and sow my seed, but when I started understanding seed time and harvest, then I didn't care about what I used to think. I discarded it because there's nothing more valuable to me than knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior, in all of his infinite wisdom. He says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. I love that. <laughs> as garbage so that I could again uh, gain Christ. He says, and become one with him. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness. Praise God for that. 
I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through what? Faith in Christ. That's why we say at Fellowship of Champions, we were what? Made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Our works don't make us righteous. We don't fast to become righteous. We don't give to become righteous. We don't serve to become righteous. Our righteousness becomes through an act of faith in Jesus Christ. He then goes on to say, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. That's why you got to get to know God so you understand faith better. That's the value proposition of knowing God, that I get to understand faith. That's why we say at Fellowship of Champions, our value proposition is rooted in the three things we talk about all the time, teaching you how to walk in love. Why? Because if you don't have love, your faith can't work. But once we teach you how to walk in love, we teach you how to live a life by faith, not just come to a faith church, because we say it all the time. It, just like if you go and stand in the garage, it doesn't make you a car. Just because you come to FOC doesn't make you a person of faith. But if you get to know God, you get to know faith and then you live by faith and then you begin to experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. Verse 10. It says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now they're talking about two things here. Number one, they were saying, I want to suffer with Christ. And when people hear that, they're like, oh, oh, time to go. No, no, no. When he's talking about suffering with Christ, Christ ain't asking you to go on the cross. He's not asking you to bear the sins of the world. He's saying that your suffering will have to be the suffering of your flesh. That when God asks you to obey and everything in you wants to disobey, will you suffer the same way he did? Because let's be clear. He asked God if there was another way. When he was on his way to the cross, the Bible says that the pressure was on him that he began to sweat and that those sweat were like drops of blood. Do you know how much stress you have to be under to sweat blood? He asked the father, is there any other way? Can I save the whole world without going through what I know I'm about to go through? He understood that my sins and your sins and the sins of our ancestors and the sins of our children to come. He understood that all of those sins would be laid up on him at one time. The Bible says it was so traumatic that it changed the visage of his body. It changed what he looked like. Why? Because he was both psychotic and, and, and at the same time, he was depressed as he was hyper. He was he was he, he was everything you could imagine all at one time and he did that although he never ever sinned he took that on for all of us why is that important because what you're going through pales in comparison <laughs> i'm telling you right now what you're going through child ain't nothing and sometimes you need to say that to yourself oh my god nobody knows what i'm going through nobody been through what i've been through I people i just hush it, it, it has not been that bad you ain't died on the cross. You did not suffer for the sins of the world. So what, boo left you? Get over it. There are more pebbles on the beach. What you need to learn to do is to focus on knowing God. Now, that's just the truth. And a lot of times we don't want to hear it, but it's true. What you're going through is nothing compared to what Jesus went through. And then he says, listen, 
I want that same power. I want that same power that raised him from the dead. You think when Jesus died and Jesus went to the grave, he was crying when he was in the grave? No, he was kicking Satan's tail and taking back all the power and authority that belongs to us. He wasn't kicking and screaming. So when you're going through, be like Jesus. Stop all the kicking and screaming. Put your head up, set your shoulders, plant your feet and be a true child of God. Understand the value proposition in knowing God. It means that sometimes I'm going to go through something, but at the end of the day, I'm coming out on top. I'm coming out swinging. I don't give in. I don't cave in and I don't quit. I am a winner. I got a guiding word that told me I was already blessed. I got a guiding word that told me I was already ready. I got a guiding word that told me I win. And so if I'm blessed, I'm ready and I'm winning. I don't care what I'm going through. The value proposition of knowing God says I come out on top. I wish I had about 500 people who would agree with me this morning that I come out on top. I always win. Somebody ought to type that in the comment section. I always win. That's right. Some of y'all laughing. Hush that up. Hush that complaining. Stop all that murmuring. Stop all that complaining. Stop all that woe is me and learn who your God is. Because the Bible says that they that know their God shall do great exploits. Amen. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, it gives you a value proposition. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what's the value? All these things shall be added unto you. What's the proposition? Seek first the kingdom of God. What's the value? That all these things will be added unto you. If you'll just accept the value proposition. If you'll just say, God, I'll seek you first. God, I'll put you above everything. God, I thank you that I always win. God, I thank you that I always come out on top. God, I thank you that ain't no quitting me. God, I thank you that I don't ever shrink back. I don't ever cave in. I always use your word to come out on top. Who glory to God. Hmm. Listen, I, if, listen if, if you are not a winner, I can't hang with you. I can't hang with the woe is me, with the woe is me crowd. The woe is me crowd wants somebody to feel sorry for them. But how can I feel sorry for you when you say that you serve a God who went to hell and kicked the devils behind? How can you say you serve that kind of God when he came back and gave you all the power to do everything that he did? He said, I kicked the devil's tail in hell. You ought to be kicking the devil's tail in the earth. He says, you got the power, but you got to understand the value proposition that happens when we come together. Let's finish up this last one, this last one. Ooh, glory to God. It says, every issue in life we struggle with. Every issue in life we struggle with, including sin, melts away when we have a relationship with God. Number five, number five, every issue in life we struggle with, including sin, melts away when we have a relationship with God. How do I put my faith in a statement like this? Because when we are focused on him, sin cannot tempt us. We lose interest in sinful behavior. The truth of the matter is the reason why you keep back going over his house or her house every night is because you haven't lost interest. God told you to stop doing it, but you haven't lost interest. The reason you can't lose the weight because you ain't lost the interest in the Twinkies and the Ho-Hos and the Snickers. God told you to put that sugar down. You keep going to the doctor, you, your diabetes and your sugar keep going up because you haven't lost the interest. The reason that you can't save money is because you haven't lost interest in not shopping. God told you to save that money. He told you to invest that money, but you haven't lost interest. 
But he says, the more you get to know me, every issue in your life that you have been struggling with will begin to melt away. The closer our relationship becomes, the less you will have interest in those sinful behaviors. The less you will have a desire to participate in behavior that is contrary to what I have directed. You got to understand, you don't have to try to stop sinning. You just got to get to know God. I'm going to say a lie. Oh, I just want to stop drinking. I want to stop smoking. I want to stop having sex. I want to stop lying. I want to stop being disobedient. I want to stop doing this. I want to stop doing it. Then get to know your God. Get to know your God. Because the more you get to know your God, the less like you you become and the more like him you become. And when you become more like him, that oh, you you want to stop being won't have the power, the strength or the energy to keep doing what it's doing. Some of you need to starve yourself. I ain't talking about with natural food. You need to starve yourself from all of the lustful, sinful things that you keep doing and keep making excuses about why you can't stop doing them. The Apostle Paul once said it like this. He said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I behaved like a child. He said, but when I grew up, when I became a man, I put away childish things. How did he grow up? He got to know God better. Some of you need to grow up. I ain't talking about your age. I'm talking about you need to get to know God better. You need to grow up and stop acting like every time God gives you a direction, watch this, that is optional. Directions from God are not optional. Directions from God are not something that I get to choose from unless he tells me it's my choice. And God never gives us the choice to choose sin. How do I know? Because even in the Old Testament, when he says, I put before you today life and death, blessings and curses. He says, in case you don't know which one to choose, choose life. He didn't leave it up to our own intellect because he knew we would blow it. He says, today, choose life. And I am telling you today, you ought to be choosing the value proposition of getting to know God better. Because the more I get to know God, the better of a person I become. Because I can't hang with God and not become like him. I can't hang with God and not begin to think like him. It's the reason why your kids think like you until they get older and get some other influences or whatever it may be. But when kids, little kids grow up in there, they sound like you. They act like you. They do what you do. Why? Because you are the, the picture of what behavior looks like. So some of you wonder why your kids are disobedient. Oops. Some of you wonder why your kids don't listen. Oops. Some of you, some of you wondering why your kids do what they do. You are the picture that they are seeing in many cases. And you're not putting the word in them because the word of God in us drives out all foolishness. That's why we ought to want to get to know God more and more and more because it drives out that foolishness. It drives out the foolishness. Some of you right now, we're getting ready to close, but some of you right now to be saying, Lord, I give you permission to drive out the foolishness. Lord, I give you permission to drive out every ignorant response I've ever participated in. God, I choose life 
and I choose you driving out anything that would try to negatively impact me living that life. I give you permission. That's right. I give you permission to drive out foolishness. Drive it out of my life, Lord. I'm open. I'll, watch this. I won't fight you, God. I won't fight you as you drive out the foolishness. I won't hold on to the foolishness. I won't hold on to the sin. I will get to know you better so that that sinful behavior and sinful desire that still exists in my life will begin to melt away. And I thank you that you're full of grace. I thank you that you're full of truth. I thank you that you'll tell me when I miss it. And I thank you that you'll be graceful for me as I miss it and give me opportunities to get it right. But God, I promise you, I'm not gonna use your grace as a crutch. I'm not gonna use your grace as, as, a, as a thing to just say, oh, well, Lord, you know we miss it. No, 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 I give you permission to drive that foolishness out of my life. I love that y'all saying that. God, I give you permission. I give you permission to drive out the foolishness. That's right, Shavondra. I wave the white flag. I surrender. I surrender. In war, when, when, when they done had enough, they put the white flag up. I surrender. God, I'm done with sin. I surrender. Come get it. Come get me. Come get me. The war is over. You win, God. It's, it's, I'm glad to resign to the fact that you, God, are greater than the sin in my life. I've been bowing down to this sin. I've been bowing down to doing things my own way. I've been bowing down to being disobedient. But today, I wave the white flag. I wave the right. Listen, I don't know if y'all can, but if you got some little white flags emoji, go ahead and put the white flags emoji up. I'm done. Those are my five things I wanted to talk to you about this morning. The Bible says in 1 John 3 and 6, I'm just going to read it. It says, anyone who continues to live in him, in Jesus, will not sin. Anyone who continues to live in him, 1 John 3 and 6, New Living Translation, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Do you hear that? He says, if you live in him, you will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not what? Know him or what? Understand who he is. That, that's all I'm trying to tell you. I preach this whole message to get to that one scripture. <laughs> he says, anyone who continues to live with him, you won't sin. You don't have to worry about sinning if you worry about if, if, if not worry about if you if you concentrate on getting to know him better. But anyone who keeps on sinning, you know you ain't supposed to be doing it. You know God told you to stop. You know God told you to leave it alone. You know God you, you I ain't talking about what you think. You know what God's communicated. God has told you to leave that person alone. God has told you to come out of that relationship. God has told you to stop figuring out a way to get even. God has told you to release and to forgive them. But God, you don't know what they did to me. I got to get them back. Nobody treats me like that and get away with it. And God's saying, leave it alone. Why? Because he understands what you don't understand, which is that if you don't leave it alone, you're going to end up hurting yourself worse than what they tried to do in hurting you. Today is your day to let everything and everybody who ever wronged you go. That wasn't even part of my, I just heard the Holy Spirit say that. Today is your day. Today is your day to release everybody and everything that you feel has wronged you. Today is your day to stop drinking the poison, expecting somebody else to get sick. 
Today is the day. Let it go. Let it go. Release it. Forgive. Start anew. Say, you know what? I ain't got time for all of this negative energy. I got to get to know my God better. The time I could be spending being mad at them, I could be spending in the word. I could be reading 1 John 3, 6. I could go back to Philippians and start reading and figuring out, oh my goodness, there's value in knowing God, not about him, not knowing about him, but actually knowing him. And so that's the value proposition. It's the value proposition of knowing the gospel. It's the value proposition of why we should be obedient. And if anybody asks you the value proposition of our ministry, it is so that we can teach you how to walk in love, to live by faith, and so that you can experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. Amen? Listen, that's all I had. That's the value proposition of knowing God. I pray that you will take this word seriously. I pray that you'll go back and listen to it. I pray that you'll begin to talk to everybody you know and say, you know what? You need to come to Fellowship of Champions Church International. Well, why should I come to your church? Because we are teaching people how to walk in love. We are teaching people how to live a life of faith so that you can experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. That is what we as an organization offer to our customers because that is our value proposition. What is the value proposition of heaven? That you abide in him. And then if heaven abides in you, then you can ask what you will. And because you can ask what you will, you never find yourself without. That everything you need, God makes available to you. That, what's in it for you? Everything. What's in it for you? Everything. And if you will take this word, and if you will understand, I don't care how much I think I know about God, I got some more to go. There's another level I can go to. Man, I'm telling you, your whole life will turn around. Amen? Listen, let's run through our announcements real quick. We'll start with what's going to go on on Monday. We'll make these announcements, and then we'll get out your way. On Monday, as you know, Pastor Sean always does strategy for success. Um, she's not, obviously, she's not here with me today. She's on her way back. She had to go to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She had to teach uh, after our vacation was over. She'll be back uh, today, so we'll be back with both of us next week. Uh, but she'll be on on Monday. Uh, you can join her on her page, uh, her professional page or her personal page, whichever one you have subscribed to to, uh, to be on. On Tuesday nights, we have prayer at 8 p.m. It's always led by one of our um, in one of our awesome um, prayer uh, team mem members. Um, I, I love Tuesday night prayer. Remember, we're asking you not to miss a service. Uh, so even if you're running around or doing whatever, you got your phone with you. Most people always have their phones with them. Just turn it on. You can just listen. Amen. Um, and then on Wednesday nights, we have Ignite uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, uh, it is, is uh, Victory Zone is on demand. Uh, you can get that information by visiting our website. I do know that the new Easter series uh, is up. Pastor Ralph told me that the new Easter series is up for our littles. So go ahead and get them watching that. Get them ready for Easter. Don't wait till after. Uh, have them tune in and watch those videos and, and learn those lessons um, so that when they come with you on the 17th, <laughs> amen, uh, they understand why we're celebrating Easter the way we're celebrating. And then, of course, at 8 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday, we have Refreshed Bible Study with Pastor Raph. That's at 8 p.m. Central Standard Times. All of our times are Central Standard Times. And to our international partners, I apologize. I did it again. I forgot to tell you guys about our time change. But hopefully, 
hopefully we won't have to worry about that anymore because I've been praying and the Lord, I believe, has heard my prayer. So our state and national legislatures are talking about uh, keeping daylight savings time forever and not falling back like we do in the fall, which I know some of you love, but I hate and I guess y'all weren't praying hard enough I was. And so we are trying our best <laughs> to stay with daylight savings time. So uh, my international partners, we, I apologize in case you missed us the last couple of weeks. Somebody said, hey, are y'all not on anymore? We are. We just came on. I guess it would be an earlier time because we moved up for an hour. Nothing on Thursday. On Friday morning, join us for Champion Circle at 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. The champions show up. And I love that uh, we have so many people who join us. Uh, on Friday mornings. On Saturdays, we tell you to chill, rest, relax, have fun with your family, and then be right back here on Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time with Kristen Valley, Pastor Chris, and Elder Nigel Valley on the keys. They bring us into worship. Again, you ought to make plans, if you can, to come and see us on April 17th. We're having a live Easter service. You'll get to see our whole praise team. You get to hear Elder Valley uh, play the keys. Probably some other musicians will be with them. Listen, it's going to be a, a great time in the Lord. And it'd be a great time for us just to meet some of you all. And then immediately after that at 9.30 a.m., it's Pastor Sean and I here teaching you the word. I hope you got something out of today's message. If you did, take a moment. Put some, Pastor Sean always asks people to do this. Put something in the comment section about what you've learned today. And then while you're doing that, you can also remember, uh, this, is, this is a place where we believe in tithing. Amen? I can't stress it enough. I, I, don't, I don't pull back from that. We are a tithing ministry. Amen? We believe in it. We believe that when we tithe, that... Um, it honors God, not just with resources, it honors God through our heart and our obedience. And so you can give a multitude of ways. You can give through push pay. You can give through Givelify. You can give through Tithely. You can even text to give by texting the number 833-969-0897. You text the word give and it's very easy to do. For those of you that are our international partners, I know some of those other ways are not easy for you to give. So you can give via PayPal. We are asking all all of our stateside partners to please use the other methods and not use PayPal um, if, if, if there's other opportunity for you to do something different. So don't use PayPal unless you're one of our international partners. All right. Listen, I love you guys. I appreciate you. Um, come back. Join us next week. Join us for all of our services, everything we have going on. We love you. We're praying for you. We're believing God for you. If you haven't registered as a covenant partner, Write it down. Do it today. Do it today. Go to the website, focchurch.com. And then you can go down to the partner section and register you and everybody in your family. Listen, you want to do it because it's, we, we ask you to, but it's also how we're going to do a couple of fun drawings and prizes and things. And if you're not in there, then you can't win if you're not in there. So we want you to make sure that you go and, and take care of that and do that uh, so that so that we can uh, have a great record of all of our covenant partners. All right. I think that's all. I don't see anybody in the studio saying we need to do anything else. I think we're good. All right. Love you guys. Uh, have an amazing week. Um, remember to drink your water. Remember to stay safe. If you're out and you feel necessary, wear your mask. I know all the mask mandates are going away. Hear the Holy Spirit about what you need to do and be safe. We'll see you all next week. God bless you.